0: Now, people used to think we were sisters because we have squinty eyes and dark hair. <clears throat> that changed this year for one of us. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> it's almost time. <laughs> it's almost time. Oh, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming out here tonight. And for just gathering together this weekend. I am believing the Lord that it's going to be rich. That it's going to be powerful. Your word for the year here in Franklin is transparent or transparency. And that is definitely coming your direction tonight and tomorrow morning. In fact, of all the times, for. Three times, three, four times, I have kind of kicked off the year for the women's ministry here at Franklin Covenant of all of those messages. And each time I come, I speak three times, which is more than I speak any place else that I go in, you know, three times in a row like that. So that's a total of, what, 12, nine messages so far, maybe 12. It depends on how many years I've been here. But... Of all the times I've been here, I think what I am bringing to you this weekend and what I feel the Lord would have me bring is the thing that is nearest, dearest, and heaviest, largest on my heart, even more than... Women using their gifts, which my hair is on fire for each one of you to take up the way the Lord has gifted you and use it. Uh, But even more than any of those things, what I will be bringing this weekend is even greater than those things. And so if you would, I'm going to ask each of you to stand just one more time. Because here's what I want to do. It's been on my heart to mentor women. And and so many of you, I look out and I see the grandmas in the faith. And you don't need me to teach you anything. But for those of us here who might be a little younger, I would love to mentor us in what it is to stir ourselves up. Amen. We're a tripartite being. We uh, have a spirit. We we live in this shell called a body, but we also have a soul. And so many times in the church, uh, we talk about uh, our bodies being the temple of the Lord and our spirits sealed, you know, into the day of salvation. But sometimes we neglect this soul realm just a little bit. And I think it's important. That we stir up our souls. Amen. And what I want to do is just model and mentor and teach that that can be done without Jesus' culture music. (laughs) Did I just say a bad thing? It can be done without candles. It can be done without incense. It can be done without diffusing special oils. We can stand... (laughs) Right here in the presence of God. And we can stir up our inner man and we can stir up our souls. Would you do that with me tonight? Ready? Right now. Father, Papa, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we stir up our hearts before you tonight, God. Father, we cry out to you, Lord. God, we are not here for business as usual. God, we need You. Holy Spirit, we have to have You. Father, if You don't speak a word to us, we aren't going to hear. Lord, if You don't open ears and You don't open hearts, Father, there, there's just no other reason for us to even be here. Oh, Lord, we love You. We worship You. We say You are great. Can I encourage You just to join me? Just out loud, if you're comfortable with that, oh, Papa, you are good and your love endures. And we join with the angels around the throne and we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Oh, your presence is in this place. Father, I thank you that your intent is to minister to every heart here. Lord, I only know a few of the backstories, but Lord, even the ones I know, the few that I know. Oh, God, there are broken hearts here tonight. And Lord, there are women that you want to heal, restore, and, and unleash them in this fellowship and in the places from where they've come, God we thank you for all these things. And everyone said, Amen. All right, I'd just like to ask very quickly, what churches are represented here? I know we're in Franklin Covenant, but I'd just like to take a minute to honor any of the other churches represented. If you're from a different church, will you raise your hand? Yes, what church? Community Bible Church Highlands. Who else? Holly Springs Baptist, anybody else? Yes. Wonderful Lutheran Church of the Epiphany, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Anyone? Yes. Discover Church. All right. Well, welcome, you guys. And I just want to take a moment to honor these houses that are represented here. And I know the heart of John and Kathy Makinson here that, um, man, they're just so glad to have you, and I'm glad to have you. Welcome. So I'm going to ask you to keep stirring yourselves up tonight. I'm going to need that from you. Let's not be passive hearers, but be active listeners. So I'm going to ask you to bring your amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join your, your so-be-it with me tonight. Uh, I might even ask you to let out your inner charismatic. All right? You know you have one. Everyone has one. Down deep in there, th- we all have th- that little bit of an inner charismatic. Maybe let her out tonight. Trust me on this. Something special happens when you do when you again and it's part of that the fact that as tripartite beings there is something amazing that happens when we're just able to stir ourselves up so you think you're here because you want more of God and I would agree with you you are here because you want more of God but I am telling you God Wants more of you. He pursued you to this place this weekend. He is chasing you, every single one of you, because of his great, great love for you. You are not here by accident. The Lord brought you here tonight, He brought you through those doors. You are here in this place, on this day, at this time. And some of you are here because you need direction. Because you've got a decision in your windshield. It's coming right at you. Some of you are here because you need comfort. And I am used to wearing a lapel, mic. I keep wanting to stop you. But I keep having to come back, but that's all right. Maybe, maybe tomorrow I can, I can do the lapel mic because Kathy did ask me beforehand and I said, oh, this mic is fine, but yeah, no. <laughs> Some of you are here because you want to be awakened. Amen. Amen. And some of you are here because you need encouragement. But whatever it is that you need, it's my prayer that the Lord meets you in fullness with what it is that you need. God's going to pour it out on you. And I believe with all my heart that it starts right now. Can you join your amen with that? So whatever brought you to this moment, whatever your past week has been like. Whatever the traffic was like getting here. (laughs) Some of you are like, yes. Whatever the traffic was like. Whatever turns that you missed getting here. I want to ask you just to shake it off. Because God's here to encounter you. And when God draws women together the way he has sovereignly drawn women together in this place. Trust me. He has an agenda, and just like we prayed, it is not business as usual. So my name is Sheila, and my husband Tim is a pastor of Harvest Church in Knoxville. Harvest Church and Franklin Covenant, are sister churches, We're part of a network called Master Builders. Master Builders has churches all over the world, and it was founded by a godly man named Pete Beck, who I understand you guys here in Franklin honored very recently. Good job. Good job. Yes. Um, Well done, Franklin Covenant, because good men deserve honor. Pete Beck well deserves honor. I'm so glad that you did that. You guys, it seems whenever the Lord sends me to Franklin Covenant, it is not without warfare. (laughs) And I hope I can even make it through this. I skipped last year because honestly, other than the fact that I didn't have a clear word that I was to come, I just wanted to break. (laughs) I just wanted to break from the warfare. I wanted to avoid the target that always ends up on my backside whenever I say Yes, the Lord wants me in Franklin, Franklin Covenant, speaking to the women in January or February. It just never fails. This church right here has already had a profound effect on people's stories in this area in Franklin, North Carolina. Amen. Just a long, long history in this beautiful artistic community. And... I have to think that whatever is ahead for you, church, this house in particular, is an even greater work. Because, again, I can't ever come here without coming under some kind of attack. And, I mean, it's always on like Donkey Kong when, when I'm on my way here. And if you could see me in the spirit you know you you look one way in the natural right but if you could see me in the spirit i think at least i feel like i kind of look like rocky in that 12th round when he was fighting that russian guy you know and he was just all bruised and battered that's how i feel tonight um long story but again transparency i'm going to tell you some of it this weekend i'll tell you how How it is that I got here. Isaiah 48, 17. If you brought your Bibles. And a funny thing. Funny thing is, the speaker got here tonight and I had to ask someone to borrow her Bible. I left mine. Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord, thy Redeemer. I love to read King James. Thus says the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. I want to hone in on that word profit, but it's not going where you think it's going. I am the God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. That word profit in Hebrew means to ascend. Ascend. To ascend. To go higher. The root word is the Hebrew word for mountain goat. Mountain goat. Yawel. Is how it's pronounced in Hebrew. Yael. So I have a question for you. How many of you would like to profit, to ascend, to prosper, to be given the kind of feet that walk over your obstacles And walk on your high places. Is that you? It's definitely me. Funny thing. That word, Yahweh. To prosper. To move up. To ascend. To climb your obstacles. It is also the name of a woman. In the Old Testament. If you'll turn with me to Judges chapter 4. We're going to read a whole chapter tonight. Are you up for that? And then we're going to break it down. Break it down. Judges chapter 4. All right. Again, bear with me. We're going to go through this whole thing. And for time's sake, I'll go as quickly as I can, but still do this passage the justice that it deserves. Right? Uh, And I hope I pronounce these many names and locations properly. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had, get this, 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years, he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapido, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah. Don't you love that? The palm tree of Deborah. Between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel came to Deborah for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you ten thousand men of the sons of Naphtali uh, and of the sons of Zebulun, and against you... I will deploy Sisera. This is she's bringing him the word of the Lord against you. I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude at the river. And I will deliver him, says the Lord, into your hand. And Barak said to her, if you'll go with me, then I'll go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And so Deborah answered him and said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there'll be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak Barak Barak, Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men under his command. And Deborah went with him. Hone in on this just for a second. Now, Haber, the Kenite, of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites. These were a a group of Israel's kin, all right? You you can think, when you see Kenites, think kin to Israel. He had separated himself and pitched his tent near a tree... I'm not going to read all these names. And verse 12, they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all those chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Harosheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. And then Deborah said to Barak, get up. For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Hasn't God gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Heresheth, Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not one man was left. However, Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. Or we might, we often pronounce it Jael. The, the technical Hebrew is Yawel. I'll interchange those tonight. J.L. Yawel. He fled on foot to the tent of Yahweh, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. Yael went out to meet Sister and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. He said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink and covered him. He said to her, stand at the door of the tent And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man in there? You say, no. Then Yael, Haber's wife, (laughs) took a tent peg and took a hammer and went softly to him and drove the peg (laughs) into his temple. And it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. And so he died. That's a bad donkey woman right there. I mean, think about that for just five seconds. She couldn't practice. Right? I mean he's he's laying there, he's asleep. That thing's gonna make she couldn't go up and like like I would have to do, kinda practice. She had to get it right. First time, she had to have strong intention. (laughs) So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So anyway, this is the type of dramatic story, dramatic story. Every good story throws an ordinary person into an extraordinary circumstance where there's drama and suspense. There's honor and deception. And you ladies know every time I am here, we tell some stories, don't we? We go over the stories of some women of the scripture, any story that lacks struggle, because every good story is going to present you with a problem that seems insurmountable. And when you look at the story of your own life, do you not find that to be true? Every good story is going to present you with a problem that seems insurmountable any story that lacks struggle is a bad story. It lacks suspense. It lacks alternatives if there's no struggle. If there's no struggle, it lacks the sense that there is a right way and that there is a wrong way and that the right way needs it to happen, right? There's no story without the distinct possibility that you and I might choose the wrong way. (laughs) Or we might press through whatever is that obstacle. We might press through our own uh, perceptions, our own deception. We, We might press through the fog and choose that thing that's right. But the stakes have to be real. And that's the hard part. The stakes have to be real. Because if the stakes aren't big, and if the stakes are not real, there really is no story. There is no satisfaction to your story. And so we always somehow see ourselves in this relatable hero, right? And we root for her. Whoever she is, we root for her. If we're reading the scripture as we walk around in her robe and in her sandals, and we kind of embrace her story, and we try it on for size, and we look at her integrity, or we look at her fiery determination, whoever she is, and somehow the lights turn on for us, right? And we get clarity into what is our own story, and we see our own world with fresh eyes. And that's what I pray for tonight, that the lights are turned on in our own hearts, in our own lives, over our own stories. It's the kind of story that we're entering into today as we look at Deborah and Yael or most pronounce it JL, two risk-taking women who are completely, to their core, women of the house. Women of the house. So the story opens to a familiar setting. It's a time when the Israelites had once again fallen into the iniquity of their own understanding, their own way. And they were once again, again in bondage. Most of you know the history of the children of Israel, how they were in and out of slavery and bondage for hundreds of years. So in this case, they're under the control of King Jabin. And the commander of Jabin's army was Sisera. And he inflicted great oppression. On all of Israel. Just unimaginable brutality. Think about this. 20 years of brutality. And the Israelites finally cried out to the Lord for help. And enter Deborah. We're going to get to Yalel. To get to Yalel, we have to go through her big sis, Deborah. Deborah rose To become a judge and a leader of the nation of Israel. She's the only woman of the Bible. Think about this. Deborah was the only woman and is the only woman in scripture to gain renown on her own merit. And not based on who she was married to. Not because of her relationship to a man. As the fourth judge of Israel, Deborah was unique in several ways. She's the only judge in Israel's history that was female. She was also the only judge to have a dual role as a prophetess. And she was the only judge that is cast in a completely positive light in the narrative. Don't you just want to? You go, girl. Yes. In fact, the judges succeeding her are depicted with a decline in virtue until you get to Samuel, that last judge who God raised up. Deborah rose to become judge and leader. She would hold court between. And here's where I'm going to start knocking on your front door. Deborah would hold court Between Ramah and Bethel. Deborah held court between the word of God. Ramah is the Hebrew word for the word of God. Bethel is the house. Bethel is Hebrew for the house of God. She dwelt under the palm, so I just bit my gum bigger than Pete. I have to have it because <clears throat> I'll drink this water here in a minute. But she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel, settling disputes, the Bible says, prophesying and speaking wisdom and comfort to the people. Here's the thing. And I found this interesting in literally hours of studying. Deborah may or may not actually have been married. I know verse four of Judges 4 says she was Lapido's wife. Um it designates Lapido as Deborah's husband in most translations, but this these Hebrew words, it's Eshet Lapido, could easily be rendered more than one way. And it's literal rendering is woman of the torches, woman of the torches. This leaves many scholars to conclude that this phrase could be just as descriptive of Deborah's character and could have been not the name of a man as much as it was a description of her character or the fact that one of her functions also was and this is getting into some of the technicalities of history, but but was a wick maker and a lighter of literal torches, um, but definitely lends itself to the fact that Deborah was a fiery woman, a fiery woman. And she's the only woman, again, uh, in the Bible that we see who gained renown just on her own merit. She was remarkable. Think about this woman for just a second. A judge, a military strategist, a singer-songwriter, a prophetess. I want to take just a moment and speak to the fact that, That Deborah was a judge in Israel. The Bible says, when there was a dispute, she settled it. And that drives me to ask you, what effect do you have? What effect do I have on the doubts and the negativity that always goes on around us? Amen. It's always going to be there. What effect do we have on that? Do we have. An equally negative effect. Or is our effect just neutral? No effect at all? Or do you have a settling effect? Are you that girl? Are you the one that by her attitudes and actions is always throwing a question mark over everything? You know, who I've been that girl. I've been that girl. Oh, my husband can tell you I have been that girl. Always questioning direction. Questioning whether or not this or that is worth your time. Questioning, questioning. Girlfriends, it's time to put that ministry down. <laughs> it's time to lay that mantle down. Because always throwing a question mark over decisions and directions is not one of the spiritual gifts in Corinthians. Amen. Instead of the question mark, I believe with all my heart as women, it's time for us to punctuate. It's time for us to be exclamation marks in our families. It's time for us to be exclamation marks in our churches. It's time to rise up and become women who settle things. Women who ourselves are settled at peace. I believe God trusted Deborah with that responsibility of judge in Israel because she lived. Y'all, she lived with a fiery passion for the word of God and the house of God. She dwelt between Ramah and Bethel. I'm here to tell you, hard times come to every house. Hard times come to every physical house, to your address. They are going to knock on your door. Hard times come to every spiritual house, every house, every church house that's represented here. You are going to go through very, very difficult seasons as a house, but when there's chaos, When there's trouble, when there is division, when there is grief, when there's lack of clarity, let's not be that unsettled woman who is always coming out from under the word of God and the house of God. Let's stop being the runners and the hiders I believe that the Lord sent me here tonight. One of the things he wants to say to all of you tonight is some of you have been hiding out. You've been hiding out with your pain, maybe hiding out with an offense or two. Or here's a big one, hiding out with your gifts when the Lord's calling you to hide in. To hide in him. And there is such a big difference between hiding out and hiding in. In taking shelter under his wing. Amen. Big difference. So when those hard times come, when there's no clarity, when things are difficult... Don't seek the counsel of women or men, for that matter, who don't live with those two very clear values, the word of God and the house of God. When there's tension or there's struggle, the answer is not compromise, ladies. It's not the answer. The answer isn't peace for the sake of peace. And it isn't always unity for the sake of unity. Sometimes we need a woman full of the Holy Ghost who can just settle a few things. You know what I'm saying? That can bring a clear word to the situation. The answer isn't to pick up all my Barbies and go home when there's trouble. <laughs> oh, The answer isn't to take a break from the hard work of loving each other. The answer is found in living into a beautiful story and embracing, embracing that struggle to do the right thing for the right reason. So the pace of the story quickens when Deborah calls Barak up for battle. And we just read that. And with that prophetic knowledge that the Lord gave her, she assures Barak that even though the odds were impossible, that God was going to conquer Sisera. And in her eyes, that battle was as good as won. I believe she raised her voice. She shouted at Barak, doesn't the Lord go out before you? I don't think she said that in a sweet little meek quiet way. That is not how I picture the woman of torches. I don't picture her that way. And so Barak goes to battle with Deborah and 10,000 men at his side and pursues Cicero and his army of chariots. And the entire army falls. But Cicero, you'll remember, escapes on foot. You guys, God fights for his house. He fights for your house. He fights for your household, for your family. He also fights for his spiritual house. And when God fights for his house, he works everything together. Everything, seen and unseen, to bring about a victory. This is when we see Yael, our second Wonder Woman, She comes on to the steps onto the page. Yael was a loyal woman. Her allegiance was with Israel and Israel's God. And here is the thing that just jumped out and grabbed me by the throat was the actions of her husband, Heber, the Kenite. Her husband, Heber, the Kenite, separated himself from the community And literally became on friendly terms with the enemy. Friendly terms with the enemy. Who do you know who is on friendly terms with an enemy? This is what happens sometimes when we just don't want to rock the boat. We get on friendly terms with an enemy when we have it good. When maybe we're just a little too close to the culture. Just a little too close. Sometimes when there's an income opportunity, we can begin to blur those lines and get on friendly terms with an enemy. We're just going along to get along. Have you ever tolerated a friend? frenemy. I have. I have. But I'm not here to talk about that girl because we really don't fight flesh and blood. I don't want you to to take that. Don't do not extract that from what I'm saying. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. But here's the thing. When someone you love sells out, The way Haber sold out. It's real. The loss is real. And what we forfeit in our homes and in our spiritual houses is very real. So I want to ask you who close to you is showing signs of selling out? Who is separating himself from the community, whoever that may be. I have two prodigal sons, and one of the very first signs that there was heartbreak on my horizon was the fact that they just began to have that little distance. You know, first it was emotional distance, and then that quickly becomes a very physical distance and the lord's still at work there amen he's still writing their story it is not over yet who among your nearest and dearest is dropping out sometimes it's a best friend sometimes it's a spouse Maybe it's a father or mother in the flesh or in the faith or a son or daughter in the flesh or in the faith. But can I tell you, you have to stay the course. You have to stay the course. Yoel placed her loyalties with the Lord and with the Lord's people. Yawel placed her heart and her loyalties with the Lord and with the Lord's people. So Sisera is looking for a safe place in the tent of this sellout, Heber the Kenite, where Yawel greets him and invites him in. And first thing right away, the first thing he says to her, please hear me, is he asks her to hide him Have you ever heard this? Don't say anything. You know, what I'm about to tell you, don't say anything. I just need to vent. Don't share this with anybody. And do not tell the pastor I said this. I have to ask myself sometimes, who is comfortable in my house? Have you ever seen that, that Pinterest saying? You know how there's always a Pinterest quote somewhere. You know, I, I heard what this person said to you, but my question is, is, why were they so comfortable saying that to you? Who is comfortable in my house? Hebrew always has something to hide. He always has something to hide. Are we hiding anything, ladies? Are we hiding? Oh, again, some of us are hiding out when we need to be hiding in. It can happen. I've seen it happen firsthand. The thing that threatens the health of the whole. The very thing that threatens the life of the community finds its way into our Tent. Sometimes it's gossip. sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes it's this vain philosophy that presents itself as a solution. It presents itself as being innocent and even helpful, and it comes to us at a time in our lives when we feel vulnerable. But what it does is it separates us from community. It separates us from one another. And it begins to ask us. I feel like I'm levitating. I'm just I'm wanting to push this into your heart. It, 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 the first thing it does is it begins to ask us to hide, to hide. But not Yael, <laughs> not in the tent of a woman of the house, not on her watch. And the story culminates when this woman of the house <laughs> kills the enemy in his sleep. With implements of the house. Yes, somebody say, mm-mm. Mm with me 1 tent peg 1 hammer a wise woman builds her house, Proverbs 14.1. A wise woman builds her house. A wise and terrifying woman builds her house and then kills the enemy with the same hammer and the same nail that she used to build her house. Oh my lord. Deborah and Yalel. I love these two women, both of them, women of the house, both of them awake, alert, ready to become part of a greater story. And they were both given the incredible, incredible privilege of participating with God to bring about a significant victory for God's people. These Old Testament wonder women had such incredible strength and discernment. They had watchfulness and determination. As I was studying and preparing for this, Deborah really did light a fire in me. Thank you, Deborah. Fiery woman, woman of the torches, she lit a fire in my heart. And if you'll allow me the pun, I think Yael has driven the point home. Huh. <laughs> They've both shown us what women of the house, powerful women, settled women. Women who refuse To hide out women who don't compromise, women who speak up, amen, what they can do. And I want to read to you out of Judges 5. Let's go all the way to uh, verse 24, just the very next chapter. Verse 24. This is part of Deborah's song. Most blessed among women is Yael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents, or we could say women of the house. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg. Her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. It gets graphic, y'all. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet, he sank. What does Yawel mean? To ascend, to prosper. To be given the kind of feet that walk on your high places, that walk on your enemies. He fell at her feet, at her feet. I just, don't you love this? Verse 27. At her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. Somebody do something with that. It would make my day if one of you would do do something with that. Yes. That has potential. The mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long and coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her. Yes. And she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? Hear me. To every man, a girl or two. Do we realize what this is saying? The, the kind of oppression that was being brought against the people Of God that Yahweh put a stop to. For sister, a plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed. Verse 31. Thus, let all your enemies perish, O Lord. But let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years. After Yael drove home her point, refusing to be a sellout, even though someone very very close to her his loyalty could be bought, We see that the entire nation had peace for 40 years. A whole generation. Yael. To ascend. To profit. To prosper. To obtain victory. And I'm wondering, do we see what is at stake? Do we even see it? If we don't remain at our posts as women... Of the house, and I hope, I hope, I hope you're able to come back tomorrow morning because we're going to go into more uh, about what this means. Some very what to me are the most painful statistics I have ever read about the rate at which our young people are leaving God's church. If we don't remain at our posts as women of the house, there's an entire generation coming up behind us that will have no sure place to come home to. And there will not be peace. And I just want to let that settle on us for just a minute. These are the stories of Deborah and Yael, and your story is still being told. My story is still being told. And we do have to ask ourselves what that's going to be like when the crucial plot points of our own narrative, of our own story, arrive. And for me, I am smack dab in the middle of one, you guys. A very crucial plot twist. And I want to stay at my post. I want to hide in and not hide out. Amen. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you for. Every household represented here. Every family. I ask for your divine protection for these families. I thank you for every spiritual house represented. And I ask for protection for those as well. That, Lord, in our day, in our time, we would see you mightily add to us. That, Lord, the decline, both in our our physical homes and in our spiritual homes, that, that homes being in decline would cease, and that, Lord, we would see hearts and homes, physical and spiritual, begin to prosper again and to ascend, Lord. Father, as women, we ask that you would place in us Hearts like Deborah and like Yoel, that, Lord, you give us fiery hearts and settled hearts and brave hearts. Because, Lord, these are uncertain times. Everywhere we look and no matter our perspective, there is uncertainty at every hand. And we need you, Lord. Thank you for gathering us here tonight. Thank you for gathering us from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west, from places that I know I didn't expect. I don't think any of us really expected it. But, Lord, you have gathered. And it's never for no reason And so we just bow to your agenda, Father. We ask you to have your way in our hearts and lives. And speak to us in ways this weekend that Lord will stick with us always. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Kathy, I'm going to turn it over to you.